0: Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we're going to share a clip from the King's Table podcast, or what was the King's Table podcast. We are only airing this on YouTube now, Um, other than you're going to get some great clips here on a weekly basis. Um, If you want the full episode, head on over to YouTube, go to the King's Table podcast, just search King's Table podcast, and you'll find it. Now, be aware that there is an imposter out there that has started another King's Table podcast. They started right after we did. Um, It's a similar format. Everything's the same. And hey, listen, if you want to go listen to theirs, great. But when you click on the King's Table podcast, just make sure you're listening to the one with myself, Mike Ayala, Aaron Amuchastegi, Matt Aitchison, and Ashish Nathu. Uh, the other podcast is probably great, but I think um, you'll enjoy this one. So anyway, this is a six-minute podcast on a conversation that we had on the King's Table podcast um, where I was bringing up the fact that somebody had mentioned to me, you can't eat your net worth. And this is a great period of time. And by the way, I'm not saying net worth is not important. However, there is a lot of people right now that have a $1 million, $5 million, $10 million, $50 million net worth that don't have any cash. And there's an old saying that cash is king. There's another saying you know, you're real estate poor and cash rich. And trust me, been there many times. And so there's just such a balance to be had between, you know, continuing to make money. And obviously we don't want all of our time, energy, and effort into one business or one, you know, stream of income. This is why people always say, you know, most millionaires have seven streams of income. But if you think about it, or if you really do the research, most millionaires actually made the majority of their money and continue to make the money, that they make on one stream, and then they tend to invest elsewhere, which helps to grow your net worth. And the thing that we love about real estate is it's a great really great way to compound your net worth because real estate generally tends to appreciate. And everybody, you know, we always talk about making sure that your properties can cash flow, which I think is important. We shouldn't buy real estate just for appreciation. However, in a period of time like this, it's hard to find cash flow. So if you have additional net worth and you have additional liquidity, then maybe it is a time to buy real estate and wait. And I'm not saying that you should get into negative cash flow scenarios, but it's really hard, you know, to find the type of cash flow that we're looking for. It's not impossible but with so many people looking to buy real estate, uh, it's more challenging. Now, that being said, um, I think making sure that we are putting the right amount of energy and effort into our job, if you're a W-2 employee, into our business, if you're a business owner, I don't think you can ever, ever, ever um, discount or shouldn't discount how important you know that cash flow coming out of your business or your job is as well. We spend so much time talking about cash flow in real estate, but what about making money On a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Again, at the end of the day, you cannot eat your net worth. And there's a lot of people right now who, um, you know, focused a lot on net worth and building their portfolios and and they need cash. Um, and that's a tough place to be. So we also don't want to be in a spot where all we're focused on is making cash and we lose our job or our business goes to crap or whatever. So there is a balance in this, but this was a great, um, again, six minute podcast conversation around not being able to eat your net worth. As a side note, um, if you are an accredited investor, one of the best ways to grow your cash flow is through income generating passive investments. And we have a great one at Wavemark Capital it pays 12% for 12 months. It pays 14% for 24 months. These are short term notes, 12 and 24 month, uh, pretty short. Uh, backed by new manufactured houses as well as promissory notes from the communities that these houses are getting set in. So this is a great way to increase your cash flow. The payments are made out quarterly. If you're interested in that and you're an accredited investor, text the word investment to 480-531-7519 um, or go to wavemarkcapital.com and fill out the form. Let's get into the episode, You Cannot Eat Your Net Worth.
1: True success and happiness are all about freedom, and here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your
0: host, Mike Ayala. We were sitting around, and one of the guys, we were talking about net worth versus you know income, and net worth has kind of become like a badge of honor, and it's good. I mean, you want to build wealth, right? That's like the thing, but somebody made the comment, they said, you can't eat your net worth. And I was like, man, that comment stuck with me. Because when things are good and you're making a bunch of money and you've got good net worth, yeah, everything's great. But when you get to a point like Aaron, what you're talking about, whether all your net worth is in your house that you can't sell or all your net worth is in a hundred houses that you can't sell, it doesn't really matter. Like You could be in the same boat as one guy that owns one house or a guy that owns a hundred houses. If he's not making any money or she, then you can't eat your net worth. And that statement kind of like I sat with that statement for a while because, yes, I'm not saying we shouldn't measure our net worth or want to build our net worth. We obviously should. Um, But I've been more of a, like, how do I make more money guy for most of my life than, you know, how do I build my net worth? And getting into GoBundance really got me thinking about net worth more. But I think you can pendulum swing on that. As you're saying right now, you could have $20 million of net worth and no cash and you can't eat
2: you can get you can get foreclosed on that's why people are getting foreclosed on with houses with equity right, right? they got 100,000 equity in their house and they still get foreclosed on they're like cuz they can't actually make the payment they can't eat mm-hmm.
1: that's why i think for i've been thinking more about this cuz the last few years as i've accumulated some more assets and i've you know maximized value and then traded out of them and th- and i it's it's kind of created this and it makes me think of for investors as a whole and i'd be curious as to your guys' thoughts on this kind of strategy. It's as I've kind of created this and Aaron, I know you do this because you're in and out of a lot of stuff. It's kind of this flywheel of liquidity where you're having consistent liquidity events to where you don't necessarily have to feel like you're sitting on a ton of dry powder and leaving a ton on the table by not being in deals, but also finding some type of rhythm in your investment model or in your investment Um, strategy that creates, you know, liquidity events where you're trading in and out of deals, you're trading up, you're whether it's flipping or whatever, but just thinking about how as an investor, just looking at all the people that I'm looking at going, you got X amount of dollars in net worth and you've got practically no liquidity right now and how much of a financial burden that puts you in, uh, a mental burden that puts on you it just reminds me of going, man that that you know net worth in your balance sheet, yep that's that's nice that's sexy, you know that's a that's a nice feather in your cap, but when that feather in your cap doesn't translate into saving your ass when water gets hot, that's where you can take the whole ship down, right, so just how important it is to have a consistent rhythm of liquidity. In your investment model, yes, of course, in you know business, you want consistent revenue and cash flow coming in. But when you think about also your investing model, it's kind of like your line of credit to your, you know, your balance sheet, and making sure that you've got that liquid, you know, kind of consistent framework throughout your investing, in uh, in and outside of the year, that gives you somewhat of that, you know, one protection, but two also you know an advantage i know right now i'm sitting on, in an offensive advantageous position being more liquid and having more cash at this stage of where the economy is at versus the other guy who's got 20 million bucks in net worth but is you know asking friends for loans right now so he can pay his mortgage and his liabilities for the next 6 months that guy is not in an advantageous you know opportunistic exciting position right now versus my net worth may be a little bit lower than the guy who's got 20 million on his balance sheet but I'm much more capable of being in an opportunistic advantageous position right now and so I think it's just an interesting thought to think about how important liquidity is at certain stages when it matters the most
2: liquidity is really important right now the it goes it goes back to that business plan idea I had from a month ago and the more I talk to people about it, the more I think it's a thing where there's this giant fake bank account that people feel like they have that they used to be able to tap into. I mean, I in 2021, I had, I don't know how many liquidity events from refinances, from sales, from purchases, from quick flips, but I had a lot of them. You know, my monthly, my monthly horizontal income is solid. It's great. Like I, I and, but it's, but it's the same that it was, it's actually a little bit lower than it was in 2021, but like, but the, but the horizontal, like it's enough to live on, it's enough to live on great, but those liquidity events are huge. And I, but I think the average normal everyday person has also had a bunch of liquidity events from refinances, from different things that happen. I met some, I met some people last night that are like, you know, the, uh, at this event that I was speaking at and he's, you know, he's, he bought a house like five years ago and he makes $60,000 a year. And his house is worth $250,000 more than he bought it for, you know? And like, there was no way he was ever going to get $250,000 in savings, making $60,000 a year. The only way it could have ever happened is with a house, right? So now he's like, I got $250,000 in savings and he's feeling like a good investor and he's feeling like a saver, but then can't really tap into it and understands the power of it. So yeah, I think the, the idea of, that a lot of people have this, this fake bank account that the traditional methods they can't tap into anymore. I still think there's going to be some big opportunity with somebody just like the friends of ours that are, that are, and and it's not one friend that said like, Hey, can I get a second deed on my house? Can I get a second deed on my commercial property? Can I get a second deed on my investment rental? It's a lot of people are saying, Hey, but I mean the, the personal residence is the most common. They go, I've got 2 million in equity on my house. Can I get a, you know, can I get a $250,000 loan? Can I get a million dollar loan? Because they're like, hey, well, that's fine. I'm never gonna sell my personal. I'm, I'm totally gonna pay that off because it's my personal. And you go like, we're tapping, people are trying to figure out how to tap into those invisible bank accounts, which means they don't have cash. The people that are gonna do the best right now are gonna be people like Maddie that have a bunch of cash.
0: If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom,